his camp. We talk about fighting and winning in devastating fashion on his pro debut with a massive left hook. In his own words, he only needs an inch in the clinch. This is a great episode and I know you're all going to enjoy. So before we begin, just make sure you're following me on Instagram and Facebook to keep up to date with all the latest news at Josh Talks. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Welcome to Josh Talks. Well, Paddy, how are you? I'm all good, man. How's it going? Oh, it's going well, man. I'm just out of, out of work, really. So it's been a long day. It's going, mate. We're- what time are you working to? Nine o'clock. Must be a late one there, was it? Uh, started at 8 a.m., finished at half eight. Jesus, 12 hour shifts are a nightmare, mate. I used to do half three to half three myself, and it was a tough, it was tough. Like, so what did you do before fighting? I worked security when I was working the 12 hour shifts. I still work now, like, but I don't work security anymore. But when I worked security, I used to do 3 30 in the morning. The, 3.30 in the day, and then I was exhausted going to training as well. Oh, man, I can imagine. How did you find, like, did you get into, like, a sort of pattern of what time to sleep at and stuff, or? <laughs> you actually wouldn't believe it. Like, it, the the shifts were four days on, four days off, and there was, like, two nights and two days, so you couldn't even get into, like, a routine of just going to sleep early and, you know, like, getting up at, like, three o'clock, half two because you had to like night shift the day after so it was impossible to get in a routine it was, it was, I only worked there for a few months like it was actually down hard on the move you know like down at the docks yeah it was down there you, you, could, you couldn't do that forever like that would be an absolute killer but I'm sure there's boys that you were working with who'd probably been doing it for years yeah mate there was boys that are like 25 odd years so she when I like was down and I said to him about the time to be fair most of them all says that they would prefer doing like 6 to 6 or whatever because it would still obviously be covered, but the the head boy was just not taking it like it was, he wasn't he wasn't budging no matter how many of us said to him. So I just split. Yeah, I, I I can do that. Like so, my I would sometimes do like a long night, which would be eight pm to eight am. But I would do like three days a week, so it's pretty easy to get into a routine. Mate, but see if it's a really bright day. Oh, I, you're not oh, I see, mate. They should be, they should work with you, like with getting in the routine. You know what I mean? I think it should work. Chris should. Definitely work with you, like see what works for you, but they weren't having it. But I'm in a far better job now, far better time. It suits me. I only work like Monday to Thursday now. And it's a sad time, you know what I mean? So I'm able to train around it. So what are you doing? I work in you know, like making life jackets. Mm-hmm. And for a company called Survey Tech. It's it's great, mate. It's a great company to work for. And it's not too like it's not too stressful. So it's not too tiring on the body, you know what I mean? Yeah. So to get the plan the is... The 12-hour shifts I used to do were t- so taxing. Like, see, when you're going to train and you haven't even trained, you're full. Yeah, I can imagine. So to get the plan is to, to do this until, you know, you're making enough money from fighting? Definitely. I want to be able to fight full-time, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the plan. It's, it's a hard That's career a path, like anyone who's who's listening to the podcast. Like, I've had quite a few boys on. Like, I had a guy on, uh, I don't know if you would know him, he's called Antonio uh, Caruso, I think his name is, and uh, he would fight over at one championship. And yeah. he was, like, so he, he's fighting at quite, like, like, a real high level. Like, he's recently yeah, just yeah. called out, like, uh, Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> and he was talking, he was just talking to me in general, and he was talking about, like, 
not having enough money to, to fly his girlfriend over to see him just because prices, the prices for, for flights have went so yeah. high. He's sharing a house with him. It was like three or four other fighters. So you, know, you broke up a wee bit there. I'm saying he was talking about sharing a house with like three or yeah. four other fighters. Yeah, it's serious. Fuck me, it's crazy, mate. There's such a small percentage that are actually making money. Like it's, it is a very, like there isn't much people making money. I thought one championship actually paid well. Like, but you have to either be talking a load of shit or not a load of people out, mate. That's that's what it seems like. To make any sort of money, you have to be knocking people out cold or talking shit. <laughs> that's it. Get as many eyeballs on as possible. Yeah, that's basically what it is. I mean, it's a circus, like, but uh, that seems to be how it is. Like, even like the people who are winning loads, if they're not knocking people out or if they're not finishing people or talking shit, then no one really wants to watch them, are they? You know what I mean? So, I just plan on knocking plenty of people out. <laughs> that's the best way to do it, then. 100%. So, talk to me about this, because like, I'm still sort of trying to get familiar with sort of amateur and the pro setup here so is the goal fight amateur and then fight on the local cards and then go to cage warriors and then obviously yeah, yeah. the ufc or bellator yeah yeah like not well i would yeah well i, mean, I don't know about bellator but uh the blueprint is basically like fight on the local circuit like the Irish shows and then fight on cage warriors which is like probably the highest level in Europe, you know, the best like breeding in the US, you know what I mean? And there's some people who just like start on like kids' words and, uh, you know, like the higher promotions if they've had long, successful amateur careers. Yeah, I had a. Uh, so it just depends. I don't know if you would know him, Nathan Fletcher. He's from Liverpool. I lost you here. Is it? Oh, is that the, the wee guy in Liverpool? Yeah, no Nathan Fletcher. He fights in Cage Warriors, doesn't he? Yeah, but he, he started off. He started off with, I think Cage Warriors do like an amateur yeah, promotion yeah. as well. He started off there. Yeah, yeah. And then he went straight from yeah. Cage Warriors to Pro, but he, he's doing very well. Like I think his last yeah, fight fights, building. he's all finished them. Yeah, he's lethal. Mate. Yeah, I mean, he, they're actually building them very well. Like he's lethal. He's very good. He was very good amateur as well. Real nice fella. Real good guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems it. So how, how did your career first start? How did you decide, like, MMA is what I want to do? I used to box when I was a kid, mate. I, I boxed, I think, everyone in our area, everyone in West Belfast, every young kid boxes at some point. <laughs> every one of my friends boxed, like, there's about 10 of us, and every one of us have had boxing fights. So we boxed when we were kids, and a couple of our mates were high-level boxers, you know, like, back then. Mm-hmm. And are, are still now like pro boxers, and uh, I just didn't, I just didn't like it. After a few years, I just found it very repetitive. Uh, you know, I just got bored easy as a kid. I was always trying different sports, you know what I mean. And then I just didn't box for like two years, and uh, I went on like a, I went just a run track with my mate, one of my mates who's a boxer, Connor Quinn. Mm-hmm. And like I went, I went to the running track with him, just because I just sort of bored him. Like, and his uh, his sister's boyfriend was there, Donard, and he like had a few. 
he was like coaching a few MMA fighters, you know, like he was coaching them for their boxing. Yeah. And uh, and he was like, oh, you should come down and spar a few MMA guys. And I was like, oh, oh sure, no worries. And then he, he, he like texted me the next day about going down and spar them. So I went down and sparred them. I sparred them the next day. I think it was Joe McCogan. And then they were like, why don't you... Just start boxing again. I was like, nah, I don't fancy it. Uh, and then they were like, you should just probably go up the MMA. Yeah. So I just started doing, started training a bit of MMA. I actually done like a Daddy Dalton was actually coaching, you know, like taking one to ones. Yeah. And then like I done over like a one to one, a leisure center or something, and like gym course on <laughs> me and Johnny Rooney. And then, uh, like that, he started gym, done a few of them for a few months, and then that stopped. And then I just went up the Fed Academy. After that. As soon as I stepped foot in Fed Academy, I've just been hooked like I've been there every week, every day. It's unreal. I would know a few of the guys just uh, from Balamina, like uh, Roddy Moore's gym. Say it again, you've booked up, sorry. I know, I think there's something wrong with the, the connection here. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Is it what here, bar is it? Yeah, two seconds. I'll, I'll, I'll try and go closer to the router here. Two seconds. Right, go ahead. That's better. That's bars now. So I, I would know a couple of the guys out of Rodney Moore's gym, and, and they're all pretty sound, yeah. but it's such, a, it's such a small world. Over here, like everybody knows everybody. Yeah, yeah, especially in the fight scene, like everyone knows everyone on the local MMA scene, like especially in the north. Like uh a lot of the we would train with a lot of guys from around these gyms, you know, like uh would like they would come up for spars or we go down there, or they come up for Pat's classes. Mm-hmm. Uh Mark Mark Andrew was actually up at Pat's class last night. He's one of Rodney's pros. Yeah. They're all dead on me. So have you met? Did you have you met Alan before? Then I think. <coughs> have I met Alan oh. Philpott? Yeah, I was just talking to Alan when uh, I went over to Australia for a bit. You know, like at the start of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I went to Thailand for a few weeks and then went to Australia, and we were we were going there to like live and work. And then just as soon as we got settled, as soon as we got an apartment, jobs uh, sorted, then they were talking about going in the lockdown and stuff and. I had on like uh you know like the Irish government website that you weren't guaranteed to get into the country if you're on a working holiday holiday visa and stuff. So mm-hmm. we started we had like we started freaking out for we had like four days or we weren't getting back into Ireland and all. <laughs> it was madness like the stuff that we were reading. So we had to end up coming home early. But I was just speaking to Alan when I was over there and I was uh training in well done a few sessions in his gym legends or something, but I think he was away with someone for a fight or something when I was there. So I was just texting about getting training sort of when it was over. Were you trained over in Thailand? I will. I was doing bits and pieces like because our mate, Garrett Smiley, he was already over there fighting. You know, like when we went over, we, we were going over just to do the islands. But when we like got the, when we went to Koh Samoy where Garrett was fighting, uh, they were like sending me, oh, sure, you can, we'll try and get you a fight here, we'll try and get you a fight. But there was, then they just came back in a few days later, and I'm like, oh, there's no one here your says. <laughs> in Thailand, they're all tiny, like, and I was like, right, no problem. So just carrying on. 
bouncing around the islands after with what's Garrett's feet. Have you ever heard of uh, like Tiger Muay Thai? Yeah, yeah, it's in Phuket. So I, one of the coaches over there, you call him uh, John Hutchinson, and he'd be from like, I think he's from Donegal. Yeah, yeah. So he started off as like a boxer, was fighting in Northern Ireland, Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Come remember he fought Jared Healy. And then he went over like and started fighting in Australia. And he talks yeah. about uh, how he went on a holiday to Thailand and just never came home. Serious? And now he's uh, Peter Jan's boxing coach. So he went over there, just started yeah. holding, holding pods for a few people. Like, he went as a holiday and he was going to classes and stuff and then just started holding pods for a few people. Just started calling him coach. And he was like saying, like, listen, I'm not a coach here. Tiger Muay Thai yeah. offered him a job. And then he ended up becoming like Peter Jan's boxing coach. No way, that's unreal. But now he's got, a like story, a really, he's got like a real strong accent, I guess. So it's a mixture of like Irish and Thai. Yeah, yeah. That's class, mate. That's unreal. I never knew that. I thought he went to Thailand, you know, like to go there and work. Uh-huh. He's been there like seven years or something now. I think I seen him putting a post up. He, so he looks sound. like a great coach too. I can remember he fought Jared Healy. Like he fought Jared Healy in like the City Hall, I think. I'm almost sure. I think he's fought Jared Healy twice or something. And the second one was in the City Hall, if I remember correctly. He was talking to me about going over to like fighting Australian stuff. And he says like he, he was beating someone in Australia, but it was like a local fighter. Yeah. And he watched the fight back. And I think the judges give it the other way. But he says like, like he won that fight without a quest. Like, without a question of a doubt. And yeah. he watched it back and he could see that they were adding time onto the rounds. No way. And he says he's got it on video. Like he's talking about all this other <laughs> mad stuff. And then he was talking about... Uh, oh, I mean, there's so much, so much corruption in fight sports, right? Like, oh, combat sports in general. Did you ever watch the Aldo Jan fight? Yeah. So it gets the, the fourth round and you can hear John talking to him. And I, I think this is like very, very cool. Like he's, he's talking to Peter. He's like, look, look over your shoulder, Pete. Look over your shoulder. There's your family. Go out and do it for your family. Round later, you know, Aldo's knocked out. Okay. Yeah, it's fucking lethal, isn't it? Like, what an experience being in. It's, it's crazy. And then going to Thailand for a holiday and then a few years later, you're cornering against Jose Aldo. <laughs> so many of those boys. Like, you've got Couldn't the Hickman brothers it. who went over there. Yeah. And, like, one of them... It's the wrestling coaches. Yeah. One of them went over... The fight, I'm pretty sure they do like uh, a sponsorship program, but you have to go over there and it's basically like yeah, a trial. They do like some tryouts, or I, or Tiger Muay Thai tryouts. So it's on YouTube, actually. You could watch it. So he, he won it, the older brother won it, and then he became like the head MMA coach after that. But he yeah. was in the same he was in the same group as uh, Volkanovski. So they both won oh, it like, at the same time, yeah. Fuck me, that's unreal. Oh, the guy, Mike Davis, as well, who's in the UFC now, I think he won like the Tiger Muay Thai tryouts. Yeah, he's on the one that they have on YouTube. Like, it's unreal. There's so many. There's so many. I, mean, I think it. There's four world champions currently. That have come from that gym. Yeah, you've got. What Shushank. UFC champions is that just? Yeah, I think. Shushanko, yeah, Jan, um, and uh, Volkanovski, and there's one more that I'm leaving out. Adesanya, he trained there, didn't he? Adesanya, he would train with the not George. He would train with Frank. Oh, you are. Frank Hickman. 
Yeah, it's mad. I, but this is that's the thing they keep coming back to. It's like such a small world. Like I remember talking to Rodney, and Rodney was talking about like you know if he ever goes away on holiday, he always knows somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Rodney's an OG, like Rodney'd yeah. be well known. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. Yeah, yeah. So that's he was how one I, of the very first to do it over here. Like. That's how I like. So I started this podcast. I'd say like three, four months ago. And I always wanted to get, yeah. uh, like, the first person I thought of getting on, like, MMA-related was Rodney. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know Good Rodney choice. previous to this. I got Rodney on, and then Rodney started suggesting people, like Alan, um, he suggested Reese, just a whole lot of different people. And then, obviously, I became friendly with Alan, like, and he suggested a lot of people as well. Sort of yeah. just grew from there. If yeah, I, yeah. Uh, that's on it was did you did you have Rodney on this, did you? Yeah, I had Rodney on. He's a, he's a good guy. Like the, the only thing that I regret about that podcast was I for, I was thinking the third or fourth episode and yeah. my mic didn't work properly and I didn't realize. So like disconnected yeah. midway through it. So my yeah, yeah. audio on it was uh it sounded like a robot. So I don't know what he was <laughs> he was listening to yeah. on the other side of it. Fuck shit. Get him on for a part two. <laughs> That's it, but he's 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 a real good guy, like. Yeah, yeah, he's a gentleman. So you were talking about how you first started, and I think you had like boxing fights as well, and then sort of transitioned then the MMA. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I had boxing fights as well. Uh, I boxed for St John Bosco Boxing Club, which was co- the coach was Mick Conlon's dad, John Conlon. Mm-hmm. You know, like so, his sons are Mick and Jamie Conlon. I both pros. Yeah, yeah, they're they're both lethal mate, and their dad is like literally a genius like the, the perfect boxing coach i think in my opinion like in terms of creating universal boxers like their dad is world class and the, i just think like see the, the rounds that i got in like in the gym not even necessarily from boxing fights because i didn't have many fights i didn't have over boxing 10 boxing fights like but just the rounds that i got in that gym will definitely stand by me throughout my whole career like I've seen another one of the gyms. Like I know a lot of the guys from West Belfast, they would be going down and training with, is it Pete Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Pete Taylor's an unreal coach as well. He's probably like the best, one of the best pro coaches in Ireland at the minute. Like That stable's unreal down there. And there's a lot of McCommy and all would be down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few class fighters down there. Tommy, Sean McComb, Tom McKenna and Gary Cully is lethal too. And see your boxing, do you think it, it helped with your timing in MMA or did you find it like completely different? Because there's obviously so many different factors. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff that you can carry in, but there's also a lot of, a lot of things you need to unlearn. And there's like uh, a lot of things that doesn't transfer into it at all. It took me a long time to adapt to it because like now I literally don't train boxing at all mm-hmm. because... When I train boxing, I start thinking too deep into it. Like, I start thinking three and four stages, like, of attacks and of defenses. And, like, in MMA, it doesn't even get that deep. Like, you're at one stage of an attack and people will just try and take it down or panic and spoil it, you know? Like, so I just try not, I just don't even train boxing anymore and just try and go off instinct and feel yeah. but I feel like 
the rounds I got in that gym like have will definitely like see the much rounds that we done with McConnell when we were kids. Like no other pressure on the feet anyway. Whatever feel like that again. So <laughs> so it's just like easy to deal with 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 people striking. Definitely. When you're used to, you know, like being under like when you're just used to being in there with world class operators from an early age, like what did it feel like when when you were boxing them? Was it a different kind of pressure? What do you mean when I was sparring or boxing? Like when when you were actually sparring, sparring with them. Like did you think with it was Mick, a lot more pressure? Like were there like, more see, in your when, face? When or? we sparred with Mick, when we sparred with Mick, we were kids. But he was just like he was. This is when he was like training for the Olympics and all. So he was like the key. He was and still is the crop of the crop. So she just. I can remember when we were. When we were all sparring him at his age, his dad used to be like, uh, this will all pay off when you're older. Mm-hmm. Uh, these rounds will all pay off when you're older. And uh, and I just think that now, the instincts that I have on the feet like stem from them hard rounds that I done when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, the, like how, how I see shots and how I see people moving. Like just stems from them tough rounds I had in the gym as a kid, learning. You know what I mean? But yeah. I probably didn't see the fruits of it until I'm nigh older and fully developed. And then I can understand that I have for fame. What don't you think transitions? A lot of things like a lot of footwork setups like in boxing, it's like very small step by step footworks. Like it's set we small traps with your feet, you know, like to get people to move a certain way for you to land shots. Whereas in MMA, as soon as people feel you setting a wee trap with your feet, they just panic and try and run, grab your hips, or try and do something sporadic, you know, like they get out of the way. If you understand me, like they'll just try and grab a leg or try and run at you for a takedown like so it's harder to like and implement stuff like whereas like you know like in boxing people play that high level game with you you know like when you're setting traps and <coughs> they can't just try and take you down you know what I mean but it, it, it's, it, like in, in like when we were training like learning boxing as a kid you're learning like two and three stages of attacks you know like and like middle distance, long range attacks, like, whereas I just feel like MMA is just all like one and two stage attacks max. You know what I mean? It's like a faint, like you faint and then attack. It's not like, it's not like setting any traps the way boxing would be. Like boxing, you're having to be three and four steps ahead. Yeah. That's the one thing I always find so interesting. Like if you're talking to any professional athlete and they're talking about their sport, you realize how much actually goes into it. Because I think any anyone that watches fighting always has an opinion on what someone yeah. should be doing. Yeah. And normally that opinion is completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's so, it's just it's just so easy to have an opinion from when you're watching it. <laughs> even with like you'd watch other fighters and then be like why isn't he just doing this that, and the other but it's just completely different when you're in there and when 
when you're trying to read it yourself. And there might be something completely wrong. Like there might be a reason they're, they're not doing something that you don't like think they should be doing. Like, did you like, ever there's find just, it? like things cross out everything in MMA. Like if you if you if you sit with a waiter stance, like a more boxing oriented stance, you'll just get the legs chopped off you, or you'll get single leg. Like if you stand square on with a Muay Thai stance, so your kicks can be faster, or you can counter kicks quicker, then you're just going to get blasted with double leg. You know what I mean? Like if you come in low down with a wee wrestling based stance with a flat foot, then you're going to get the ears boxed off you. <laughs> It's just there's answers for everything in MMA, so it's just it's just whoever can put it together, the best. You know what I mean? Yeah, he can be more well-rounded. Yeah. But it's interesting hearing you talk because obviously you have a lot of experience in it. You're a professional athlete in that sport. Yeah. And then listening to you talking, I think a lot of people back home will be start start to appreciate actually what goes into it and about yeah, hearing yeah. like what doesn't transition. Because if you're talking yeah. if you're talking like the two people and you're like, oh, you know, boxing's fantastic you know the strike and Anna, then there was that old debate when the UFC first started like who's going to win the boxer or the MMA fighter yeah yeah and yeah, there's, see, like, there's so anyway. many different variables yeah yeah there's so much different variables was it? it's just who can put it together the best you know what I mean like and you might even have a guy who ha- who's like great on the feet great striking and brilliant jiu-jitsu and then you just get a wrestler who goes in and ragdolls them and smashes them you know what I mean yeah, like it's just whoever can put it together the most. Like, see, like putting together each martial art is an art in itself, and see, like controlling your breathing throughout all the martial arts is another art form in itself. Like, see, from going from jujitsu to wrestling to striking, the back to wrestling, the back to striking again. Like, see, you doing that at a at a high pace and controlling your breathing. Like, that is that is something people don't take into consideration either. How do you deal with it in MMA, whether it's sparring, training, when like panic sets in? I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't really panic, and I wouldn't really panic and uh, sparring or fighting again. Attribute that to like the sparring that I done as a kid. Like see, like see when we were kids, we were sparring like Mick and Jamie and stuff like. As soon as you, as soon as you were throwing a shot, it was instantly being countered. So see if, so see now, see unless people are countering me at that rate, like that fast, or like shutting me down that quick, I don't really panic. Especially not with the, like even in MMA with the training partners, I have a fight academy. Like, see if the if the pressure doesn't feel like pots. You know, like, or if the wrestling and chain wrestling isn't like, like Matt and Paul's, like, it doesn't really panic you. You know what I mean? You just just need to put yourself in the worst possible positions in the gym. And then when you've already been there before, it doesn't panic you. You know what I mean? What do you think's worse in terms of like sparring or the actual fight? Like, what's harder? Well, sparring 100%. Like, like fighting you just when you're when you just get the fight you just feel free but sparring like we have uh, we have tough we spar hard in our gym like like on a tuesday night doghouse wednesday we spar hard like we we have like you know like a fresh man every round we do mm-hmm. and like whoever's fighting they'll just stay in the in the middle 
for however amount of however many rounds, fresh man every round. And Pat will, you know, will literally just put them in an order that will destroy you. Like they're just the rounds are just built to break you. So like no fight is ever as hard as the rounds that we do in the gym. Like we put the work in. Is there a particular fighter that, that you watch when you when you were growing up and watching MMA that you were like, Fuck, I actually really like his style? Joel McCogan. Joel McCogan is my favourite MMA fighter. Cage Warriors champion. Yeah, Joe is the man. Joe is exactly how I would want to be as a fighter. Yeah, I watched the the video that, that your gem shared of him when he was walking into the gym. Like that was class. It was unreal. Yeah, like Joe is just like Joe is never in a boring fight. You can't not like Joe McCogan. Like, like there's people who there's people out there who are dominant and win loads of fights, but they're absolutely they're boring as fuck. And no one wants to watch them fight. Like some I've fought a few fights with broken hands where I've just had to grapple. And like See when you're selling your friends and family tickets, and then you just go out and try and grapple someone to death and just raid the rounds out and steal a win. Like, you almost feel guilty, you know, like taking money off people when yeah. they're buying tickets, come and watch a scrap, and then you just go out and do that. Like, whereas Joe McCogan, like every single fight, he just comes out to put you away, and he has very dangerous submissions and slick takedown defense. Like, I think he is just. The ideal fighter. Mm. Like comes out, he's he has controlled aggression. He's slick on the feet, slick submissions, and world class takedown defense. He from I joined MMA, like from the from the day I joined MMA and I seen Joe McCogan fights, like I was always like, he is a man. And I haven't missed a fight since. Like I watch a Joe McCogan fights all the time. <laughs> I'm like Joe. I'm like a fanboy of Joe McCogan. So, what do you think's next? You think it's a couple of title defenses, and then hopefully in the into the UFC. Yeah, well, hopefully, like I think Joe would smoke a lot of the UFC's lightweights. Like, definitely, like even a few of the top ten, like Joe. See the higher level Joe's in with, like, the better he'll be, mate. Mm-hmm. Joe's the man. I thought but uh, I'd actually even like to see him go up and take that water with title and kids wears too. On the double champ? Oh, mate. See when he's Joe's heavy, he hits like a horse. See Joe's body shots, it'd suck the solar to you right and quick. <laughs> he could definitely win that water with title, no problem. That's it. To become his manager, tell him what to do. <laughs> uh, he's a smarter man than me. <laughs> I thought Reese had a, an awful hard run in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought that myself. I thought they were going to sort him out for taking that comes off fight so, so late notice, but fuck me. The, this, they were a bit ruthless with him, weren't they? I Even listen. Morono, that guy Morono, he's lethal. Like he is, he's no more gay there. He's had, he had like 15 fights in the UFC. Yeah, for Pattis straight away after Reese. Yeah, like, Pattis would have been perfect fight for Reese. I think Reese would destroy Pattis. <laughs> I, I just think I don't know why. I thought they would have tried to build Reese up, like because he's he's a likable yeah. guy. 
I thought he was going to do extremely yeah. well. I thought the I mean, he has like he had like a hundred percent finish rate, didn't he? I think so, yeah. He did, didn't he? Like all his wins were like first round finishes or something like that. He had some mad statistics. Like, but it was but even... he's, he's very marketable and yeah. He's a killer. So I don't see why they wouldn't have wanted to build him up like this. Comes out on that on that early like notice, like Jesus. Is there anyone in the top ten who could even deal with comes out on well, that notice? You know I know what I mean? uh, like the rumors were after a race there was talk of him finding like Luke, Luke Rockhold. <laughs> I know, like what the fuck? It's crazy. I, I but I think we should get a shot again, like yeah, so yeah, it's a strange one. Still young, most, right? Yeah, most people who get into the UFC, they'll fight someone who's maybe had like one or two fights, you know, in the promotion, sort of get your fate yeah. around you. He fights yeah. Kazman on short notice, and then he fights Morano, who's had like 14, 15 fights prior yeah. in the UFC. Like, that has a wild hard run. And then you, you listen yeah. to his backstory and what he talks about, and he was like, I was training in Malevener. Yeah, yeah, but it'll stomp at him, you know what I mean? Like, if I. If he, if whoever he fights in the future, like if they're not bringing that comes out pressure, wrestling, like he still be chilling like Bob Dylan, Panasonic. You know what I mean? He'll <laughs> <laughs> be under no pressure at all, so it'll stand by him. I like what your coach said. Two good uh, tough fights. Like. I like what your coach said, and uh, when he brought you in, he was talking about like all the things that went wrong during that camp before the title defense. And he was talking yeah. about, you know, that's that's sort of the pressure, you know, the champion, the championship mindset. That's what it's all mate, about. Mate, like, see, like Joe, <laughs> no one understands how hard Joe is. Like, see, before Joe's, I think the guy's called Kieran Lister, like the guy who was undefeated, he was seven or something, and Joe was fighting him. Like, Joe got cut like twice, like under both eyes in sparring, like in the weeks coming up to that fight. Like, he got cut, and then, like, two weeks later, I came in and got cut over the other eye. Like, two weeks out from this fight, and then he just went in and absolutely smoked him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe is the fucking man, mate. No joke. Is, is there any golden rule, like, rules for sparring? What do you mean? Like, things that you shouldn't do? Well, you... you... You know not to be a dick. You know what I mean? Like we're all we're all there to push each other and help each other fucking get better. Like you know what I mean? We're not mm. we're not out being stupid. Like everyone who's good knows. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when when people are getting ready for pro fights, it's really a small circle who they'd be sparring and doing the hard sparring rounds with. And like most people, and like and you know, if you're selected to be in them groups, then you know the crack will spawn. Mm-hmm. I've seen uh, a video this was going back a long long time ago and I can't remember what camp John Jones fights in would you know Jackson Wink I think for a period of time they were allowing, like not pros to train with you know like the professional fighters just anyone could train yeah and there was someone who was sparring John Jones and it was by massive like they had muscly and he he cracks John Jones, but like he tr- he tried to hurt him. Like it wasn't sparring; he just tried to hurt him. Yeah. And John Jones just stopped the sparring session. He's like, "Listen, like I'm not I'm not here for this," and just and just walked away. Yeah. And like he, he could have seriously hurt that guy. Like that's 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 the goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he oh, was well. more like he just embarrassed that fell in front of everybody and just sort of walked yeah. away. 
yeah, it's just when people don't really know what they're doing, mate, and they get nervous and overwhelmed, and they can go a bit hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just takes it just takes people explaining to them like you need to calm down. It's not how it's done here. It's an easy mistake to make because it's not like something natural for people. Like even just someone putting gloves on and putting their hands up, like they just can start getting nervous. You know what I mean? Never mind with someone else standing in front of them and with their hands up. Like even if you're only gentlemen going five percent, it can be a big deal for some people. So you get some maniacs coming in the gym and going crazy on you, even though don't really mean any harm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why it's probably good to split the classes up in the beginners and advanced classes. Uh, sorry, people used to. Yeah. I want to talk to you about your pro debut. What was that like? The atmosphere seemed electric. Would be yeah. the word I would use. Yeah, mate, it was unreal, mate. I couldn't, like, I was trying not to think about how good of an opportunity it was, you know, like before, because I didn't really want to think about it too much. But it was a, it was unbelievable, mate. The atmosphere was class. I went to boxing, you know, like the week, the few days before, just to get a wee bit of a feel of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it was just envision, it was just visualizing a few things. And then just going and getting the job done. It was so good just to see, you know, like all the Irish boxers getting the job done. I was like, that has to be me next week. And it was just going and getting it done. It was unreal. So, unreal feeling like. See, when you're at the boxing, did you sort of start to feel nervous like when you were picturing yourself in that situation? But like, you know, like the sort of good nervous that you get? Yeah, yeah. I was just buzzing, mate, really. Like, I was just buzzing for when I felt, when I, felt the atmosphere and then when Polly McCory was fighting and they were all like singing like oh Polly McCory and I was like just closing my eyes and just visualizing them saying that them singing that song with my name the next week and then like as soon as I as soon as a bell rang I was fighting and then they started singing it and I was like this is unreal this is exactly just how I envisioned it did you get? Did they give you like any extra energy hearing it off the crowd, or did that really play a part? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like in the fight, the guy just came out and he was so tense, and I knew he was going to be, I knew he was going to be strong at the start. He's like a very high level grappler, you know, like black belt and judo and all this bollocks, and he's juiced in neck. So I knew he was going to come out and be strong at the start. So I was just riding the wave, you know, like. And uh, just defending his takedowns and getting back up when he was trying his hardest to take me down. But I knew we were in there for free five, so I was just riding the wave. And then I was against the kids, just chilling out. And uh, then that's when they started chanting my name. And then I was like, whenever he gives me a bit of space here, I'm going to let him know. And then as soon as I created a wee bit of space, bink. I let him know. Is that a right hook? Was it a right hook? I mean, it's just a wee right hook, wee dirty Joe in the pocket. Boom! You only need, only need an inch in the clinch. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving the rounds. I'm loving the rounds. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was it like afterwards? So you've 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 won your fight. You won in devastating fashion. What was it like afterwards in the locker room? It was unreal, mate. It was it was just see being on top of our kids and just seeing like your friends and family and everyone you know, like 
was just such a good feeling. Like, because I, I hadn't fought in two years. Like the last time I fought before that was in in the Europa uh, mm-hmm. for the Akuma title, and you could hear a pin drop like on the on the video on YouTube of the fight. Like you can actually hear my mates slagging each other and slagging me like while I'm fighting. And like Shando's like laughing at their jokes. <laughs> and then like two years, I, I don't fight for two years and then come back. And then that atmosphere is like, oh, it's just like, just makes all the hard work worth it. You know what I mean? What was the reason for the two years? Because I went traveling, like as soon as I, I fought in Akuma on like the November and then I went traveling that January. Uh and then I was just planning on going over and just working in Australia for a year and having a few fights there. And then I had to come home after like a few weeks. And then as soon as I came home, I was just training because, you know, like every day training for fights, just, you know, like packs and promotions and hoping for, had a few fights, you know, like a few fights in the pipeline. And then they were just fall through pools or shows were getting pulled left, right, and center, you know, like with COVID. So it was just taking over through it, the whole lockdown. It, it was like, it ended up like 18. 18 months or something, you know what I mean? It was yeah. more than 18 months. I think it probably November, November 2019, so just under two years. Like, like you said, you know, your gym, there's so many high-level fighters at it. It probably yeah. worked out well, you know, just having all the time together. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, was, oh, yeah, over lockdown, we were just working in, you know, like wee bubbles. Yeah. So all the... All the fight team just got to work together and how much we leveled up over them lockdowns, mate, was scary. Like we just got to work on such specific areas and positions and just drill them constantly every day. Like my grappling, the level of my grappling went through the roof in that lockdown. Yeah. I can't wait to show some of the slip jets off. So is that, is that the next fight then? Get one by sub? Oh, we'll see, mate. We'll see. Can't be in that route. Yeah, it's like, yeah. all good but for the highlight reel. Sloppy, made snatching that. <laughs> <laughs> have you got another fight lined up? Or yeah, I have another fight lined up on the fourth of uh, December on Cade's Conflict. Okay, where is it? It's on the Davenish. I'm not sure it's in Davenish. Okay, I'll maybe have to try and get down to that one. You should definitely get down, mate. The the atmosphere at all the kids' conflict shows is always class. It's good in it. So I'll ask you a couple couple of fights to, to protect them, and then I'll let you yeah. go because I know it's getting quite late. No worries. So a couple of fights that, well, I'm, a couple of fights I'm looking forward to are in the UFC, but I'll have to ask you about this one first. I think you know where it's going. Jake Paul versus Woodley. <laughs> oh fuck! Uh... I'm praying that Woodley knocks him out, mate. I'm praying. That's a weird I situation just don't know to what to do if, if Jay Paul wins it. Do I you couldn't like... be annoyed listening to people in work if Jay Paul beats Woodley. No. Um, in what way do you think? Are they rooting for Jay Paul? What, what are they saying? I just think it would look terrible on MMA if, if Tyrone Woodley was just going to get sparked by a YouTuber, you know what I mean? Like Tyrone Woodley is legitimate world champion. Yeah. Like he is he is an animal when it comes to MMA or just unarmed combat in general. But I don't think he'd be too great of a boxer. Especially with the bigger gloves and stuff on. Like I think his striking in the USC rely more on like uh the overhand. Power. 
and you know, like the small gloves and just athleticism and whereas the boxing gloves, like you can't really rely on it that much, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen because like I'm on one side, I think Jake Paul looks very good from uh, his previous fights, but obviously it was against Ben Askren who doesn't really have any striking. Yeah. Yeah, but then if you look like, at his, his sparring, like his sparring videos, he's knocking people out. But like, who are these people? He's knocking out. Yeah, they're all they're all donuts. But then on the other hand, uh, I'm looking at Woodley. Think, I think, like, I really do think Woodley will knock him out, and I'll be absolutely speechless if he doesn't. It's whether his power. Really like, hope he does. Do you think his power transitions over? Woodley's. Yeah. Woodley can definitely hit hard, like like if. Woolly would be a nightmare to fight in the street. Like, Woolly with no gloves and how explosive he is. Like, even if he just knows half how to throw a punch, he's a dangerous man. Like, <laughs> but just put him with big boxing gloves on and like a, in a wee ring with so much limited rules. Like, I don't know. Like, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> have you ever yeah, seen uh, that left way I oh, like the Muay Thai Rehabits that is bonkers <laughs> I don't know why anyone oh, I mean, would want to do that I think they might have that's like something you'd see outside Caffrey's that's it that's someone's just headbutting you oh I mean <laughs> double jab headbutt <laughs> the, the Glasgow kiss <laughs> So this is the fight that I think I'm most looking for. Well, I'm looking for the two fights at the moment. So we've got Chandler Gaethje. How do you see that playing out? Jesus, that's, that's a great fight. What date's that? I actually don't know. It's not for a while, I don't think. I have uh, Justin Gaethje. And I hope you're going to ask me about Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler. Oh, you know what? Oh, you're lucky, you're lucky. Be fancy. Uh, for which one? For the Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz, right? This is what I think. I think the UFC is hoping that Diaz wins. And if Diaz wins, he's getting a straight title shot. <laughs> oh, if Diaz came in and smoked Robbie Lawler and called for a title shot, it would be hard to deny him a title shot. That's it. Goes in there, stock and How impressive and... would that be if Nick Diaz could come back and defeat Robbie Lawler? Like, even though Robbie Lawler's been actively fighting. The best of the best, while Nick Diaz has just been away smoking his brains out. <laughs> the Diaz brothers would just be fucking defying physics. That's it. Yeah, you wonder how much training he's actually doing. But like, if you look at his Instagram, the man's still running like triathlons and doing like all this other crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah, I doubt he'd, I doubt he'd ever let, let himself get on fit, but. You can't replicate the much, you know, like the time you spend actually in, say, in there under the lens. Like, you know what I mean? How did you find it? So, see, when you obviously you were training a wee bit, like when you were when you were traveling and stuff, and then going back to the gym back back home, did you find like your time and was a wee bit off? Or no, not really. Like when it was when it was uh, traveling, I was still sparring and all. I was sparring like in. Uh, you know, like Thailand and all. Yeah. So, my striking was, uh, my striking's actually always grand. Like, I'm, like even when I don't train striking for a while, 
sometimes when I go down to the Muay Thai gym, I'll go down the line for sparring and I'll be like, fuck, my timing's off. Mm-hmm. And it'll take me like a few sessions to, you know, like get my timing up to scratch with them boys. Yeah. But as far as MMA sparring goes, I usually, I usually feel like I move well. And sometimes even when I don't spar for a few weeks, I come in and feel like I spar great. You know, like I just have so much ideas because I'm always watching fights and I'm always studying. Uh, yeah. I love like it's all I do is watch fights, so I'm always thinking of things that I can do. So when I take a few weeks off sparring, I always come back and spar well. The question, um, what what I was thinking, is there not some like weird rules over Northern Ireland, like in terms of like amateur setup? Are you allowed to elbow? No, there's no elbows or knees to head at, at amateur. What about go transitioning from pro? Does that go out the window? No, so when you're pro, you're allowed the elbow and you're allowed the knee to the head. Do you not think that's a wee, like obviously it's it's amateur, but do you not think that's a bit of a, a weird rule when you're allowed to kick someone on the head? Yeah, I, I would have much preferred it if you could elbow and knee to the head amateur, it would have saved me a lot of hassle. I suppose it's, it's a lot different because the, the elbows quite it cuts people up quite a bit. Yeah, well, the elbows cut people up, but it would stop people stalling fights and would make amateur fights more exciting. But I suppose it'd probably be a wee bit daunting for a teenager, you know, like to be getting elbow. Yeah, well, so it probably is, is good just to hold it back for pro. But knees to the head, I don't see why you could knee to the head. Like, obviously, if you kick to the head, as you're saying. Yeah, I was listening to um, the Joe Rogan show and, and he was talking about fighting and then he was talking about how like he believes that MMA should be you know no gloves no nothing yeah. like on a yeah. completely flat surface no ring but then he says like his opinion completely changed after watching that burn up yeah yeah that's a brutal well, sport as well yeah I, I think the MMA gloves can definitely be improved like CM or ONX or something your man Trevor Whitman he mm-hmm. seems to have created like a good MMA glove that actually wouldn't put strain on your hands. But see MMA gloves now, see when you hold them in a fist, like they put a bit of strain on your hands and they like spread up your fingers. And I think they like make people break their hands more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like see when I'm punching with just MMA gloves on, like my hands feel a bit less like weaker sometimes than if I was just punching with no gloves on. But the people's faces and burn it all like you have to be getting paid a lot of money to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a that's a crazy that's a crazy sport. It can be. I the thing I found hard is from like a fan's perspective is during COVID when you're watching the fights, it's like a completely different. It's a completely different feeling to watching the fights with a crowd because you hear the impact yeah. of shots. Like you hear yeah. a leg kick and you can hear like the snap of it. You you hear a punch and yeah. it's almost like a baseball bat getting hit yeah. off someone's head. It makes it so much more realistic. Like, because that's just stuff you don't think about. Like, see, when you're in a fight and you like, you you have someone who's like trying to squeeze you and his blood's like pouring on you, or like you're grappling with someone and you hear him like breathing in your ear and he's like breathing heavy as fuck, and like you're just hearing it up close. It's like it's so fucking weird. You know, like, yeah, like, like you wouldn't really understand it. Whereas sometimes when you're watching them fates 
and you hear hear the both of them breathing heavy as fuck when they're going through the grappling exchanges or when they get hit a shot in the wince, like it makes it very realistic, doesn't it? Like, it makes for a better viewer experience, like if you're watching from TV, but obviously nothing can beat the crowds. It was a completely different experience, I have to say, like watching uh, the UFC. But I also found it quite weird as well when it started to open up a wee bit more and they sort of put like sofas uh, around the ring and then had like celebrities and all set on it. I wasn't yeah. quite a big fan of that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, I, 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 oh, I don't really like the fade in and set up myself. What do you think about Jan versus Aljamain? How do you see it playing out? I think Jan just slaps him again. Jan schooled him the last time. Like, if, it's mad that he even has that belt. I didn't, I didn't like that personally, obviously, because I talked to John and stuff about it. So I would sort of have a soft spot for Peter Jan now. But what yeah. I didn't like about after that fight was, you know, he was crying in the think, ring. And he was crying yeah, in the ring yeah. and he was saying, you know, I don't want it. I don't want it like this. And yeah, then yeah. the next yeah, he's thing he's wearing like a... The belt, he has a big fur coat yeah. and all. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. Like that, he shouldn't have won that. But then now he's going to be getting like the champions, person, the champions, like sponsorship and stuff, like for the next fight, regardless yeah. of everyone knowing that he definitely lost that fight. Like, but I think Jan just needs to get him out of the way again. Then Jan should fight um, either Henry Cejudo, Dillashaw, or uh, Sean O'Malley in Russia. That's that's a big fight, the Sean O'Malley yeah. one. And Sean, I think O'Malley, <laughs> Sean O'Malley, Cejudo, or Dillashaw in Russia, there are three massive fights. I've actually heard, I've seen the three of them calling for it as well, so but then they if, definitely know that they're serious though to be made there when Jan headlines an event in Russia. I would love him, but it's also uh, with Sean O'Malley, like he has not fought anybody yet. Like Everybody's been unranked. Yeah. But then, if you listen, he to what brings he says massive about numbers it. to the UFC. Like you know what I mean? He's a he's a wee golden cow, doesn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. But if you listen to what he says, that like, he's like, why would I fight someone ranked when I get paid exactly the same? Yeah, until his new contract comes. Like that last guy that they got for him was just tailor made. Like he's just stupidly tough. Comes forward, doesn't try any takedowns. Like he's just perfect. But Sean O'Malley schooled him. Looked very well doing it. His range and stuff was perfect. Nice footwork. From your perspective as a fighter, if you were in the, the guy Chris's shoes, do you think yeah. that they should have stopped that? Well, put, put yourself as a coach. Do you let it go the extra 30 seconds or he's probably going to take more shots, but he finishes the fight? Or do you agree if they're a free stoppage? What, what do you mean? If I was whose coach? If, if you were uh, your boy Chris Matinio's coach? If I was his coach, I'd have probably just let it go because it was his first shot in the UFC. And if he had just clipped Sean O'Malley once, he would have fucking been made. But I would. He also, I also would have just been screaming for him to mix it up. He definitely needed to be, even if he didn't want to take him down, like he needed to show the threat of a takedown. Yeah. To get Sean O'Malley to respect it, just to get him slowed down a wee bit. He was never just going to outstrike him, like. Do you believe Sean's height? I think he's very, very good, like, but I don't know if he'll ever be champion. He's big? Yeah, yeah. He is big, like, but I just don't see him ever beating the like TJ Dillashaw, even Cody Carbrand. 
and stuff like that. I just don't see him beating Emmons. But anyone I'd say the top five, I think he'll, he'll play with him. I quite like that fight that you've just said. Like I, I, that never thought really occurred to me, but I like that fight for him. Cody Garbrandt. Oh, Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a good I, fight for him. Like if he beat Cody Garbrandt, like he'd definitely be ready for a tail shot. Yeah, that was. Uh, that would be. That'd be a good one. And then we've got Volk versus Ortega. That's a lethal fight as well, isn't it? Like uh, that, uh, what was that fight? Was it Max Holloway who absolutely destroyed Ortega? Yeah. Yeah, like see fights, like fights they got, that'll definitely stand by Ortega. Like coming through fights like that fight with Max Holloway. Yeah. I Max Holloway's put on some performances lately. Yeah. Max Holloway's on real, man. Yeah, she is. Class. Max Holloway booked a fight anyone, is he? I'll tell you now. Um, actually, I don't. I don't know if I if I was Max Holloway, what my think thinking would be is wait to see who wins between Ortega and Volk, and then just fight the winner of that because he's definitely yeah. up there. I don't think it makes much sense. Yeah, yeah, fighting anywhere else. Him. Yeah, because the, yeah. I'm pretty sure from talking to people like so I've had a. Uh, a couple of people on from Volkanovski's camp and stuff, and they've talked yeah. about they've talked about that fight. But from people outside of that camp, they would say that that decision could have went either way. Sure, sorry. Yeah, when so, he, wait, he, who, who's who's Volkanovski fought since since he fought Ortega the first time? Um, um, don't put up his record now. Right, I'll tell you. I don't know. Did Brad Ortega fight the Korean zombie, did he? Was he Yeah, he, 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 no, he fought the Korean zombie and looked really good. Yeah. I think that was his last fight. So the I don't think Volkanovski's fought Ortega yet, but Volkanovski's last, oh. his last four fights. So he had Chad Mendes, TKO'd him, fought Aldo, got I a decision. Volkanovski. I thought Volkanovski already beat Ortega now. Did he not fight him now? It must have been Marsh Hall or something like that. I'm, I'm going for the record here. That's an interesting fight, huh? Yeah, can't see it. So he, he fought Chad Mendes. And it's at the end of that Ultimate Fighter, isn't it? Yeah. I haven't actually followed Maybe. that Ultimate Fighter, no. But, uh, the people on it aren't great. Like, there's like a couple of people here on it, you know, who are like three and one. And like the people of beta are absolute bums. Like. Would you know uh, Jimmy Wallhead? I mean, <laughs> he said, "Fox Jimmy Warhead. He sounds like someone from Davis. <laughs> he's uh, he's from, uh, you know, Dan Hardy. Oh yeah. So yeah. they all started off at the same gym, Roughhouse, and then that gym became Hardy Wallhead. Right. So he was um, a plan for the Ultimate Fighter, and yeah. basically he got told he was too experienced for it. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. got a shot in the UFC. Um, he lost, he said, like, in his own words, like, he just didn't perform. Yeah. Had a second fight. He lost again. And then after the fight, he got tested by USADA. Yeah. And he pinged positive. And he sure. pinged positive for a supplement that you can buy over the counter. Sure. But basically what happened was he took, he took a supplement off, like, it was like a, a protein shake of some, like, really well-known company in the UK. Yeah. And it was tainted, so it was like a microdose. Yeah. 
the UFC banned him for like a year. The British press ran stories on him about how like he was, you know, this like a like drug cheat. Yeah. And basically after that, he was just like done, done with MMA. And he says like the hardest thing for him about that whole thing was like, he didn't do anything wrong. He went and paid his own money and got USADA to test that supplement. The the, the supplement came back as tainted. Basically what happened was they mixed it in a big massive vat of where they mixed something else. And it was a microdose. So it was like nothing. There was like performance enhancing about it. But he says the worst part about it, the whole experience was he was teaching kids MMA classes. And he had to go up to all the parents afterwards and say, like, listen, like, what they're saying about me isn't true. Yeah, yeah. And he says it just completely yeah. sickened them. But eventually... Yeah, yeah. That's the other end just, of the stick, isn't it? Like, yeah, you, you don't realize it. You think, oh, you know, it's just a fighter's ping pause or whatever, they're a cheat. But then when you actually yeah, listen to the person... Nick Diaz getting suspended for five years for smoking grass, and then now you're allowed to, like, smoke grass until 24 hours before a fight. Like, you just literally... Unless you're turning up to your fight stone, then you're ground. And he just had to sit there for five years, the end of his career. They, they just when that. you're just whenever you're starting, like people are starting to make some money at the top of the UFC, and then he just has to sit there for five years. It's, that would they, be heartbreaking. I'll be it'd be terrible. But they they the sports in America had that already in the contracts. I see all like the, the NFL players, they were doing that. That was completely fine. Uh, basketball was doing it. It was completely fine. Yeah, that's that's mad. It is completely mad. But this is the last fight I want to ask you about, and it's the one that I'm most excited about. I don't think it's actually been announced yet. Kobe yeah. versus Usman. Yeah, fucking. I actually think Kobe's going to beat him. I hope so. I really like Kobe. Do you? I just don't. Fuck, I don't know. I'm not too hard on him, but he's he's unreal. And what do you like about him? Just, I don't know. I know he just puts on his persona like the. You know, like to get people to watch him. I seen him doing an interview where he was um saying about how he fought somewhere, I think it was like China or something. He was very respectful and uh he had like one fight left in his USC contract and they were just gonna cut him, even though he was running all his fights and then yep. he said like he got told like you need to start doing stuff that's controversial and then he just went to Brazil and just and then that post-fight speech happened where he was just calling them all filthy animals and saying, yeah, Brazil's a dump and all. And then he's just started being a maniac ever since. But it obviously works if he's making money now and I'm, getting title fight after title fight. I'm pretty sure there was like some mad story at the time that after that fight, he did like an interview with uh, Verdum. And Verdum hit oh, him in the face with a boomerang. Oh, yeah, that's right. He tried to get him, he tried to get him charged, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> nah, I think it's funny when he calls... Usman, the CEO of EPO and stuff like, he is funny sometimes, but but he's he's cringy ninety percent of the time. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do agree with that. I think that's that's mad. Some of the stuff he does on his, his Instagram and stuff, but yeah, yeah, I think that would like be such like, a fight though. He's like a pure WWE heel. Like, I think that's like the sort of persona that he's built himself yeah, up yeah. as. Yeah, it's proper. Like WWE definitely has perfect way to describe it. I think Chael Sonnen just sat him down and been like, right, this is what you need to do. He's just went by the Chael Sonnen rule book. That's another person I love. I love Chael Sonnen. Yeah, yeah, Chael Sonnen's a man, isn't he? He was the very first first fight I ever watched was Chael Sonnen. Yeah. Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva. And it was was the fight where like It's crazy how much everyone respects Chael Sonnen. He's just like a... like He's just so well-known now and accepted within the sport. And he just went his whole career juiced to the neck. 
<laughs> ah, the old that was it's the wild fucking, west. <laughs> it's so modern. <laughs> it's mad when you hear Best Bring talk, and you know, like the, the reason why he's blind in one eye is because yeah, he got kicked because he kept my feet for Balfour, who's a fucking juice monkey. Uh, he, ha- he has no neck, <laughs> just just roided yeah, out. That's madness. I think, see, if uh, his son, if he could have ever watched Bisbee My Destiny, no, oh, put that on your to do list, YouTube, yeah. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a watch. I will give it a watch. It's been my destiny. It is unreal. Mate. The UFC they've done a documentary on him. You know, like his rise through the UFC and mm-hmm. the like his final title shot. It's unreal. Mate. I think I've watched it about five times. I'll, I'll watch and I'll let you know what I think. Yes. Give me a message on Instagram. Hundred <laughs> percent, bro. Yeah, it's been it's been great great talk. I don't want to keep you. Yes, mate. Lovely. Too much longer because it's near on, near eleven o'clock. So thank you very oh, much. Man, I'll be snoozing we'll, boiled here soon. That's it, mate. I'm the exact same. I'm going to get some dinner here because I haven't had yet. Thanks, and, and I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Appreciate it, mate. Right? Peace out, bud. All right. See you later, mate.